Welcome to Credit Union Conversations Podcast with your host, Mark Ritter, a forward-thinking CEO who excels in helping credit unions, small businesses, and real estate investors succeed. Join Mark as he explores current trends, interviews industry experts, and get fresh insights on optimizing your operations and delivering the best possible services to credit union members. Hello, everybody. This is Mark Ritter of Credit Union Conversations. I'm the CEO of MBFS and New Direction Lending. And today we are going to take a deep dive into one of the more mysterious black box uh, functions at a credit union. And we're going to talk about credit and what goes on behind the scenes when a credit package is submitted and the mystery behind that area. Joining me today is Christina Paulson of MBFS. Christina heads up all of our credit functions here. Christina, welcome. Thanks for joining me today and letting me bug you for a few minutes. Thanks for having me, Mark. So if you could, uh, before we get started, tell tell everybody, all the listeners, a little bit about yourself and your background and how we got talking today. Sure. Uh, so as Mark said, my name is Christina. I currently live in Philadelphia and I have a bachelor's in finance. I first got involved in the commercial lending space about 15 years ago at a small community bank here in Philadelphia. And from there, I became a credit analyst at a large national bank uh, prior to finding my home at MBFS, where I'm currently the credit services supervisor. I've been with MBFS for about eight years, and I currently supervise a team of 11 credit and portfolio analysts. And you knew I was going to hire you from the first time we interviewed, right? Uh, maybe not the first, but definitely the second. Um, right. Mark and I grew up pretty close to each other. Yes, absolutely. So how many different credit packages would, if you were to throw a wild guess, have you seen where people are requesting money in your career? Um, every single one. How, 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 and of all of those, yeah, everybody thinks their loan request is a good one. Tell me, tell me a little bit about the role of the credit side on how you see it and your function at, at, to help support the credit union and the borrower. Sure. Uh, so like you mentioned, everyone's going to think the loan request is a good one. The borrower always is going to believe in their dreams and believe this is the best loan we've ever seen. And the lender as well, because it's their job as a salesman. But the credit analyst comes in and kind of brings it back down to reality and looks at the good, bad and the ugly of the, the numbers. Uh, what's going on? Does the loan make sense? Um, is, the, is the borrower going to pay back the money? Um, things like that. I, I truly believe I'm the CEO of our company today because I was a horrible credit analyst. So I, I, I'm, I'm a big picture person. I like to move. I like to go. I like to get deals done. Uh, and, and I hate spending uh, hours digging into and looking at the minute details of a package. So I guess we all have our, our role in life. Um, and, and today, I look at today in this conversation, this is uh, the festivus of this episode because you get to air your grievances about all the uh, pieces uh, that you've encountered in the past. So when somebody requests a loan, commercial loan, 
credit package. They're, they, like you said, they, they, they have their business, they have their dreams, they know where they want to go. You're, you're that first review, that first line of defense. What goes on when somebody submits a loan package and a credit request uh, in, in your world? Sure. So the very first thing I do is I read the borrower background or the story of the request. Why are they requesting the money? Uh, what are they going to do with it? Do we know how they're going to pay back the loan? Do they have experience in this? Uh, the relationship managers or lenders always know that information because they interview the borrower first and the borrower explains why they want all that. So I make sure that the, the analyst can also understand that and also understand what the financials will mean. The borrower background will always help tell the story of the numbers later on in the process. Yeah, you, you, you bring up that interesting point and it's not just the numbers. It's really understanding the credit. Now, everybody uh, always wants their loan request today. It's a rush job. They wanna know what's happening today but sometimes things get pushed back a little bit. What do you find happens if there's missing items or delays or incomplete information? And, and, and what do you do if, if something's just not available? Sure, so um, as you mentioned, the delays. So when we receive that complete package, if we don't have all the missing items, we're generally putting the loan on hold. And what happens is if we moved forward without the missing items, the analysts are gonna ask all of those questions later anyway. Uh, they won't be able to complete the loan. They won't be able to pull all the ratios that are needed or really tell the story of the request without those missing items. And if we don't put it on hold from the get-go, the entire lending process will end up taking longer. Um, so as far as what we do uh, when certain items aren't available, um, like for instance, it's 2022 and 2021 information is not quite yet available. So what we're doing is we're requesting like 2021 W-2s because they are required to have been provided to individuals by now. We're also requesting company prepared financials or anything that can give us a better story of what's going on with the business now versus what happened in 2020, the most recent taxes we would have. Exactly. And what do you find is that top one or two items that's the most common thing that people flub up or forget or, or, or don't quite give us the, all the information that really slow down a loan request? The most common items that we see are debt schedules for the business. I think on an individual side, we have credit reports and personal financial statements and all of those items that show personal debt but we don't have that on a business side. A business credit report uh, that the different financial institutions aren't required to report business loans to the business credit report. So we don't have all of that information readily available. I think that sometimes that's why it's most often forgotten. Uh, and also uh, K-1s are one of the biggest things that we always request. Uh, K-1s show us how a individual has given money to their various businesses or received money from their various businesses, but directly impacts their personal cash flow. Sure. And what are the, those top couple items, uh, maybe those red flags where when you look at a loan request, you say, we have a problem. Yeah, uh, sometimes we're pulling out the policy of the lending policy and looking at that. 
uh, we look at, do the terms make sense? Uh, so for instance, if you have an equipment loan, but you're giving them a 30 year term or 20 year term, is the equipment even going to be viable in, for that entire time? Uh, other things can be credit history. Um, is there a lot of tax liens? Is there bankruptcies? Do they pay other mortgages as agreed? So I, to, to me, it's always that credit request that the, the credit reports that I look at as one of those first uh, items to say this might not be working. Uh, and, and, and being having the old football background that I do, uh, you know, there's an old coach that says your record is what your record is. And uh, sometimes people have, you know, all the stories and bumps in the road for what their credit history is and the credit report and what happened. But to me, just the, your record is what the record is and it stands as itself. Uh, the other pieces that I always look at where, where that tends to kill a deal is, do you actually have any money to put into this transaction and the equity? Uh, you know, so often I, I find that somebody uh, brought a, bought a property for $300,000 and they're looking to finance $300,000. Uh, and, and, and those are just the toughest ones uh, to get into. So yeah, it's a, it's an interesting process. And sometimes uh, th that, that what we see right away, uh, we can spend hours and hours and hours getting into the financials, but sometimes we can just look at it and say, this, this deal is, is going nowhere, so. Yeah, speaking on uh, real estate specifically with the, the rise in uh, home values, uh, we are seeing a lot of people who are trying to take that equity out of the property now, and essentially they don't have skin in the game. They haven't Absolutely. injected that money because they're taking it out now. And we have all seen this song before and uh, what happens as a result. So, so there, there's really two sides of the credit process that, as I see it. You know, there's that qualitative side of understanding the business and, and that's really where you're looking at this and you know taking that review and then the quantitative side what do the numbers say so let, let's talk about the qualitative side on the business you know what is that that checklist of items as you're crunching numbers and and organizing the papers you know, what are some of those things that, that you're really lifting up on the qualitative side? Right. So this is where we go back to uh, reading the borrower background and the borrower story where we try to find out if the if we know the business. Uh, do they have experience? Have they done this before? Um, have they succeeded? What what are they going to do with the uh, money? And, and do they have experience in doing that as well? Um, we also I always, look at the I, loan structure. I always like to use myself as an example because I have a nice job. I have nice credit. I could pay my bills. If I buy a rental property, uh, I can barely uh, change a light bulb. So I just don't have the time or skills to keep up with these properties. And if, if I bought an auto body shop, uh, I, I like to think of myself as a pretty astute businessman, uh, but it would be the worst auto body shop in America. So yeah, and sometimes we just look at this and say, why, why does this person want this business? What's the connection? How, how is this actually going to operate? So yeah, it, it's an interesting process when we see these requests. 
Yeah, it, uh, in your specific uh, option that you said, uh, we would look at for you, do you have a manager who's going to come in and manage the auto body shop? Or for the real estate holding company, maybe you're the investor, but are you going to be managing the property yourselves? Perhaps you're paying a real estate management company who's going to do all that and you're just providing the funds. And, and it costs money. Uh, it, it costs money. It chews into the profitability of a business. Uh, you can outsource all you want, but but it really chews into and understanding that piece. Um, yeah, just who who's behind it and what they're doing. So what about just understanding the business and, and searches and, and using technology to find out about the business today? Well, depending upon the complexity of the request, we'll usually uh, look at who the operating entity is. We look at um, Google reviews a lot. If, if they have one star on Google, they're probably not doing that well. So maybe there's something else we need to have an understanding of. Uh, we'll look at, for um, any kind of public records or liens on properties. Um, the internet is a wealth of knowledge, so you can find a lot of good things out there. I remember uh, doing my first few years uh, going to the property and looking around, go knocking, you know, knocking on doors. What was the condition like? Going around, walking the neighborhoods to see what the vacancies were. Now, with the technology and services out there, we can find out more about the industries and marketplaces that, than we ever could uh, by doing weeks of research. So it's pretty amazing all the tools that we have today. Yeah, there's a lot of information that you can get on um, industries. We use iBizWorld a lot uh, just to get the overall scope of the NAICS code and what's happening. It's been really helpful during the pandemic as well because they're mentioning things that are happening across the entire industry, the entire country that we hadn't thought of uh, just for me being in Philadelphia. Maybe that wasn't happening here, but it was happening elsewhere in the country. So it's important to get an overall idea of what's going on in the industry as well. Talk a little bit about some of the extra steps that we had to take during the pandemic and how that affected the credit side and what it's like, what it's like in today, today's world. Well, at the start of the pandemic, we started um, requesting that the borrowers provide a statement of just what's going on. Are your tenants paying? Uh, if it's a real estate holding company, are your tenants paying the rent? Uh, are your tenants impacted by the pandemic? Did they also lose their jobs? Uh, we would also request pay stubs. We were started doing more liquidity verification just to be sure that there was deposits on hand in case there was a loss of income. Um, there was a, a lot of steps that we had to take during the pandemic. We also started requesting the borrowers provide year-to-date statements, um, especially for those operating entities that and smaller businesses that were harder hit. So one of the, the truisms uh, in our world is people want the most money they can get at the cheapest rate possible. But sometimes you, you touch briefly on the loan structure and people want low payments and they want the most money they can get to operate their business. Tell, talk to me and, and our listeners a little bit about proper money and loan structure and what exactly that means. 
Sure. So we look at the loan structure in terms of the asset. So if you have real estate, the the property is likely going to be around and, and still functioning for 20, 30 years. So it's fine to do a 20, 30 year loan. But if you're doing equipment, you have to look at how viable that asset would be at the time the loan is due to be paid off. So a six year loan for a car is fine or a piece of equipment is fine, but you're not going to lend for 30 years on a car. In 30 years, the car is probably not going to be around. I do a lot of traveling and I always find it into, and I have a lot of nights in hotels and I always find it interesting because when we talk about loan structuring, if you if I get into a hotel room it's, and it's 15 years old, it's pretty worn down. Uh, and if I go into so, so, but when we look at a loan for a hotel, if we go out too far, it really what we left is with a big loan and uh, and a depreciated asset that's not going to do too well, and not too many people are going to stay there because the hotel's starting to war get worn down. So yeah, sometimes uh, we we think just because it's a building or part of real estate, it, it lasts, and it's really almost that unique situation of how long will this business last? And you know, sometimes I tell people just to think about their own experience in, into what makes sense into uh, a property or an office. Uh, you know, we, we don't finance computers for 15 years because a 15 year old computer belongs in a museum, so. That's true. So let's talk about the numbers. Let, let's talk about the numbers. And, you know, I always look at it and tell people we have to know what the numbers are and we have to understand the numbers, not just simply know what the numbers are, but understand why they are today and, and, and come up with, is that going to make sense for tomorrow? Uh, as I said, I was a pretty, pretty lousy credit analyst and, and you're not. So tell me uh, your side of things on, on what are those numbers and ratios? Uh, once you get into all the numbers, what do you really look at? Sure. So uh, once we put all of the numbers into our uh, spread system, the most obvious number that we're going to look at is the debt service coverage ratio. That number is going to tell us how they could pay the loan, if they could pay the loan. Generally, we're looking for a minimum of a 1.25. Uh, one, meaning that they could just pay the loan. Um, we would also look at the uh, liquidity ratios. So we're going to see if they have deposits on hand in the event there was a loss of income. Could they still support the debt? Not saying a, a permanent loss of income, but temporary loss of income. Could they pay the debt for a certain amount of time? We also, for operating entities, look at uh, working capital needs. So we'll look at the working capital ratios. Uh, we look at gross profit. We also take all of those numbers and compare them to what the industry is doing. So for instance, if your bar were 99% um, of their expenses are in salaries, but the average is 75%, then you want to look at, you know, do they have, are they um, paying or hiring too many people? Uh, do they have too many people doing the job? What's, what's going on there that they have so high salaries compared to all the rest of the industry. So let's talk about one of the biggest pain points for borrowers and lenders is 
This is where people get frustrated in the process where we ask questions and we want to understand what's going back. What do you find usually is the situation where we're coming back, we've got the information and we're going back and asking for the questions and clarifications? What's going on behind the scenes? Well, as an analyst, I want to overanalyze everything. I want to know the reason why every single number moved. But that's not reasonable when you're looking at these loans. So one of the things that we do is take a step back and see, uh, do we need to ask this question? Would it really make a difference when you're preparing the package? Would it make a difference to the overall decision that the credit union might make? Or would it make a decision or a impact on the risk rating? If no, then we're probably not going to ask the question. Otherwise, we're asking things that are major occurrences, like for instance, loss of revenues. If, if uh, revenues have declined by 75%, is that gonna continue to happen? Why did it happen? Was it a one-time occurrence? Um, expenses, if there was a one-time anomaly, uh, maybe they had a really large repairs expense one year and that's something that we could add back into the cash flow because it's not going to continue to occur. Um, so I always, every time I ask questions, uh, I always hear, we're asking too much, we're requiring too much, but it's important to tell the story of the borrower and we're not asking everything that we could potentially ask. The next few years are going to be interesting because we had businesses really take it on the chin and have some trouble. And then we had other sides of it, depending on your industry, it's the greatest years with astronomical uh, growth and profitability that that you may never see again. So it, it's really that double-edged sword of your, your, your business increased 50%. How is this going to continue or will it continue versus the other side of it and, and really understanding both sides of the fence? Uh, you know, I, I always try to say boring is good. Uh, numbers that are steady and go up a little bit of time, they're the easiest to deal with. But but well, yeah, when we have these huge swings in, in both to the good and bad uh, for small businesses, that's that's the tr that's the tricky part because we we really have to understand where they're at today, uh, but more importantly, where they're going to be at in the future because that's how we'll get paid back and that's how they'll have a successful business. Exactly. So let's uh, let's start to wrap things up here. And you have a long career and understanding the credits. Uh, give me one of your favorite stories from your past uh, success story, what you, what you did, how it worked out. Give me a good one. Sure. So I think one of the most obvious responses to this question, especially in the light of the current state of the world, is really the number of small businesses we were able to help with the assistance of the SBA and PPP lending. Um, but at, obviously at this point, everyone in commercial lending is completely burnt out from that topic. So I'll tell you something else. Uh, we have a really well-known member of one of our credit union clients who is a restaurateur and he owns some Irish pubs in Philadelphia. Uh, the member had been wanting to open a new location at the Shore Points and was really looking for a while. Uh, he couldn't find a, the perfect location, but he finally found one and, and it's in a prime area a popular street festival area at the Jersey Shore. Um, but the seller required commitment within three days. Uh, so what we did was quickly collected the financial package. We jumped on the phone with the borrower to answer all of his questions. 
and we underwrote the deal within 24 hours so that the credit union could approve the loan and provide the commitment and the borrower didn't lose the property. Uh, last summer, I actually had the opportunity to visit the property and things seemed to be going well. It was one of the most popular uh, restaurants on the Strip, so we were able to get that done for them. See, and, that, and those are the types of things why, why I really enjoy uh, being in the credit union space where, where we could work uh, in more of a community situation. Uh, you, you worked at one of the biggest banks in the United States, and it's fair to say that probably wouldn't have happened uh, to, to jump through hoops to get that done for your local small business restaurateur. It would not. <laughs> not at all. No. <laughs> no, it, uh, it, it, but yeah, that, that's why I really enjoy the credit union space and the service we can provide and the impact we can make. And, and, and that's probably, and it's a great example of, uh, you know, the, there's jobs, there's employers, uh, and, and a great small business because we were able to help in, uh, and be part of it. Yeah. Well, absolutely. Christina, it's been fun. Uh, as the world changes, we'll be sure to have you back and talk through the credit side of things. Uh, it's always fun to uh, to get your perspective on the world. And uh, I'm glad we were able to spend some time here today. And I'll let you get back to uh, to your day job. So this is Mark Ritter from Credit Union Conversations. Uh, I thank Christina Paulson for joining me today. And remember to always tell your friends that the best bank they have might be a credit union. Have a great one. Thank you for listening to the Credit Union Conversations podcast. Have a question? Visit markritter.com for more information.